Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody, to our number two of the early line. Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez, cock-a-doodle, doing it on a Wednesday morning here in mid-May. Remember, April showers bring May flowers, and that's kind of in the bigger sense, given because we had a pandemic in April and in May, we're starting to come back to business. You know, the NFL has been conducting its business, right, Kevin? Everything from free agency and the draft, you know, this is also times when, like, the competition committee meets and we see other tweaks. Remember, when the competition committee met a month or two ago, we realized that there would be no more instant replay on pass interference, which was something that they tried. They knew it wasn't right, and they adjusted. Another rule that is in place in the NFL that we've talked about a little bit, we talked about last week, that there are proposals to adjust, is the Rooney Rule. Kevin, and for those who weren't with us previously, what the Rooney Rule is, by the way, Rooney is for, you know, Dan Rooney, the the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the uh, kind of like flagship franchises in this league. What the Rooney Rule states, because, you know, African-Americans in the head coaching ranks were so underrepresented that when this Rooney Rule came out originally, what it said was, now there's a requirement to interview at least one candidate of color, right? And the the thinking behind this was it would get, you know, high potential African-American coordinators opportunities to impress Right. In interviews. And we can have a long debate on if it worked, if it didn't. I know you, you know, continuously bring up the name Eric Bieniemy, And if he is deserving, why hasn't he gotten the opportunity mm-hmm. just yet? I think about um, other African-American coordinators or coaches, guys like Leslie Frazier, guys like Jim Caldwell, guys like Byron Leftwich and others who are being successful in roles. Um, and originally there was this proposal about incentivizing the hiring of African-American or or, or coaches of color, right? Including maybe even getting like a third-round pick or a boost to your third-round pick. And we thought, "Mm, that opens up Pandora's box, right? You could kind of manipulate that. If I'm the Chargers, then I'm going to hire and fire Anthony Lynn every year to a one-year contract, right? And get me a little boost or whatever the Mm. case may be. Because it was was also for like some front office people, right? So maybe I'd find the lowest stakes role of that, the assistant scouting director, and I'll be damn sure I hire a Puerto Rican for that role so I can get my draft pick, okay? So... We, we, we were a little bit worried about how that could be manipulated, but there is yeah. a new proposal now, okay? And it looks like this one is gaining steam that instead of having to interview one uh, minority candidate for a head coaching role, the new way at it is that you're going to have to uh, interview at least two, okay? And that this will also extend to offensive and defensive coordinator positions. Now, Mm. on one level, Kevin, and I know we talked about this and it's like weird how we feel about this. On one level, I'm like, oh, well, of course, that's just the end. And we're in a, you know, harmonious society, right? Bull. And I understand that. But I do think, you know, having two candidates, at least there's, you know, how are they competing and stacking up against others? And the other thing I'll say that maybe sounds roundabout here, but I do think is a positive for this Mm. plan. In this version of the plan, the NFL is doing this not by incentive, but by policy. Okay, right. and I think that's a better way to do it. Because if you remember, when we talked about it, the, the idea of it being the incentive is part of what I felt icky about, right? Because we said it could be manipulated. Now, with it just as a requirement, as a policy, this is what you got to do. I think there's less manipulation at play because we're not trying to get the competing, the incentive of the third round pick. So yeah. I'm okay with it being more of just like a documented policy as opposed to an incentive. But I don't know if it fully gets us there, Kevin. What do you think? It's helpful. Uh, Two is better than one um, in this scenario. And I think the fact that the rule was one, probably then in a lot of uh, instances, was a situation where the person of color was coming in as a token person of color. Token candidate, right. We would rotate these dudes around. Yeah, right. 
I think now you should be able to deepen the pool, hope that some of these teams could potentially, in the process, um, maybe come across someone they weren't some <laughs> exactly come across someone they weren't expecting. Maybe okay, look, I don't know if you're ready for a head coach. How do you feel about an offensive coordinator, right, 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 or a quarterbacks coach position, something along those lines? I do think the other thing is it was very you know. Because I think we, a lot of times we focus on the head coach specifically because we evaluate head coaches more in sports than we do general managers, right? Yeah. Like, I think I'd have a significantly more successful time naming you coaches than general managers of all pro sports teams. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I do think that the change that could be more impactful would be at that general manager level. And... Because then they won't sit across from the candidate as yeah. a token person of color. Well, that's, you know, when you get one past the, the glass ceiling, right? That's what the glass ceiling 100%. means, whether it's for women or minorities. And think yeah. about that. You're now starting to see, in the, just in the ranks of, like, former athletes, right? Wanting to get into ownership, right? Whether it's Derek Jeter, whether it's Michael Jordan, whether we hear about it from Peyton Manning, wanting to not only be the coach, but in a position of power. I'll even go so far as to say Jay-Z, Alex Rodriguez, right? Ooh. They want to be in those positions of power, not yeah. only, you know, used to be thinking that the coach was like the leader and the ceiling. And now, no, 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 there are other levels for it. And I think you're right. It makes it harder to just have that token interview if you needed one, right? Because there's guys out there that are legit that are these kind of retread also rands, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, sure, I'll give Hugh Jackson an interview. Yeah, sure, I'll give Marvin Lewis an interview to check that box. It's harder to do that token aspect when you need to, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, so I do think that is a, um, an interesting thing. You know, the other thing I'll say about this, I want to give a shout out to Bruce Arians, okay? Bruce Arians has not only been known his entire career is like a player's coach, right, mm -hmm. that can relate to people. But he is, you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks right now, I think they, it's maybe the first time in history that both the offensive and defensive coordinators are uh, people of color. Okay, Byron Leftwich, the OC, and Todd Bowles, the DC. Remember, um, Tampa Bay was also one of the first teams to hire a female coach, okay? Um, we know there's one of the 49ers on the Washington football team as well. So just big shout out. I tip my cap to Bruce Arians. You know, he is trying to give those opportunities in a natural, organic way. One of the other head coaches that is a person of color right now in the National Football League, Kevin, is Anthony Lynn out there in Los Angeles with the Chargers. And it came out mm. yesterday. Um, I think the quote was that he and the Chargers, quote unquote, absolutely considered signing Cam Newton. Um, but he then backed it up with kind of, you know, all the right coach speak about Terod Taylor, about their number six overall pick, Justin Herbert, but putting yeah. it out there that they, you know, definitely considered Cam, right? And he was one of their options. We also heard recently another, what do you know, head coach of color in Washington, Ron Rivera said, oh yeah, we considered Cam, you know? Mm -hmm. So I find it interesting that the head coaches of color are putting out there in the narrative, in the public, that Cam deserves to be considered still as mm -hmm. a starting caliber quarterback. Connecting any dots on that one, Kev? Well, it's it's tough, man. It's tough. It's good to see, you know, Rivera's old coach say positive yeah. things about Cam. That's probably the biggest endorsement that he can get. The Chargers specifically is a little frustrating because – I think I'd probably view the Chargers as the third best team in the AFC if Cam Newton was their quarterback. He was their quarterback, sure. Um, but because Even of the Colts, huh, Kev? Yeah, I think I think they'd I think they'd <laughs> we'd have to go through the schedule, I guess, right? Yeah, fair. And we will sometime down the road. Um, man, I just I think the Cam Newton thing is really really it, it, it's it's frustrating to see Cam not have a job, but I can't stress this enough, man. This is a scenario where it had to do with there being more quarterbacks than jobs. Supply. Um, I I talked about this when, you know, months before we yep. were on in-game live, doing next quarterback bets, and I right. said, someone's getting left out. Someone. Now, right. I thought it was going to be Teddy B. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be Teddy B. And at that point in time, you also probably didn't necessarily assume that the market would also include, you know, uh, Jameis Winston. Or Nick Foles, perhaps, right? Yeah, it's like, supply and demand. There's only so right. many chairs in the game of musical chairs until when the music stops. Yeah, because actually at that point, we kind of thought that Cam was going to be back. Right. You know? So, or for 
we thought Chicago was an option at some point for Cam. Exactly, exactly. We didn't think polls that that's how it was going to go down there, or yeah. Jameis Winston, or Andy Dalton, or other names with a mark that you know are now in the market as options. Yeah, it, it, and it's become now almost impossible to find a right now fit. I think for Cam Newton. You know, if we play the game, how many quarterbacks would you rather than Cam Newton? How many do you yeah. view the same? Right. Um, like, and then how many well, is Cam upgrade. Newton? On the starting you know? quarterback situation, I think for half of the league, if not more. Right. And which is, I, I, I totally buy that without having done the exercise sure. in my head in thoroughly. Um, but, you know, again, that's just not the reality. Like, for, for example, right, the Bills. I think a lot of people would say they'd rather Cam Newton than Josh Allen. Now, Bills fans, though, probably wouldn't. Ultimately, though, the Bills are never making that move. They're trying to move forward with Josh Allen to see if this works, to see if he actually is their franchise quarterback. That's the team that made the playoffs, okay? Is he better than keep it in the AFC East? What we've seen from Sam Darnold thus far? Right. Absolutely. Well, there's but, age and contract things in right. No, but this, well, no, right? but that's the thing. And that's why it's really difficult to find that spot for Cam. And I guess, you know, this is why, as we've talked through it, even now he's opened it up. Okay, I'll take, uh, you know, I will take a backup role. I'd like to find myself on a roster. But we've talked about when the Jaguars bring in Mike Glennon. Well, I don't want that guy right. back. Cam exactly. is way too good of a backup. So this is really a scenario because of where, the level of pressure it may put on QB one or the amount of money you may have to spend yeah. to bring him in. You're you're looking at a scenario where the the inevitable happens, an injury happens. That's right. And Cam comes in, and it's right. the matter. It's a matter of timing yes. to figure out how absolutely. quickly they're able to make this decision. Yeah, absolutely, and we will see about that. Remember, that's why Big Ben sort of put it in my eye, because when you talk about Cam may need to wait for injury, I always thought Pittsburgh could potentially be a spot. You know what, Kevin? Later on this week, let's play that game. Do you want Cam or our QB1? I think that's a good one to kind of see this, because I, I, I do believe that more than half the league would think he is an upgrade over their current situation. When we, What we're going to do here, though, is we're going to get into our roster reset, Kevin. The Houston Texans are our team that gets spotlighted today. I, we'll get into it, you know, over the course of this next hour. I got to tell you the truth, though, Kev, going into it. You know, you and I, we did a lot of draft coverage here for Sports Grid. You know, I did nine hours of live coverage. We did draft, draft grades, draft previews. There are 32 teams in the NFL, Kevin. Literally, if you just name 31 of them, I'll tell you right off the tip of my tongue, like, the biggest player that they drafted, the mm. biggest headline of their draft hall. When you ask me the Houston Texans, it is the one team I truly have to think about to <laughs> name one player they drafted. I'm gonna give you the entire commercial break and you yeah. tell me what comes to your mind as a knee-jerk reaction for the headline of the Houston Texans draft. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. And we're going to give you the edge, all the edges you need. On the Houston Texans. And, you know, I started by saying, Kev, that this was kind of like a nondescript draft. You know, I, I didn't have a knee-jerk reaction to, like, who the players are that they got. But, you know, the way I want to start this is because what we always say, Kev, is, you know, your draft hall includes trades, right? And mm -hmm. so if you think about that, the Texans really made the biggest move of the offseason by trading away DeAndre Hopkins, an all-pro wide receiver. That is part of this draft haul, right? Because technically, I got, I guess they got an extra, what, third or fourth round pick for it with David Johnson. So, you know, this draft is also considered David Johnson in for DeAndre Hopkins. What it also is, remember, because the Texans didn't have a first round pick, that went to the Miami Dolphins, if you remember, as part of the trade last year where these Texans acquired Laramie Tunsil and Kenny 
Stills, okay? Now, Stills is still a piece of this wide receiver room. Tunsil is a good left tackle and was signed to big money already. So talk to me, because I know you've been deep into the Texans draft. They go and get, you know, the horned frog on the defensive line, Ross Blaylock, with their first pick. Um, you know, they do get another offensive lineman, which, to be quite honest, I see that as a position of need for them. Whether they have Tunzel or not, they have to protect the asset that is Deshaun Watson. How do you think they did in the offseason, Kev? Terrible. Okay. I mean, they traded DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. They still <laughs> didn't have a first-round pick. Yeah. Like, how is that possible? Like, if, if, if part of the justification for getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins was... Yeah. We were able to acquire a first-round pick, and we felt like in this draft that was important. Okay, I still disagree. Okay, they still weren't able to do that. Yeah, The fact that David Johnson coming back in the return is right. part of the justification is right. absolutely ridiculous. I love David Johnson. I love David Johnson. Yep. Like, was one of my favorite players in the league. I hear you. But he's been injured. Yep. And we've seen just the importance of the running back position. He's right. overpaid. Yeah. And it was a plus to bring on David Johnson. They, they were thinking about cutting him. The same way the Bengals had to cut Dalton because everyone was like, you're going to cut him. The same right. way the, the Panthers had to cut Cam. These are right. quarterbacks. And the Cardinals got rid of David Johnson and brought back Hopkins. Yeah. You know, I think you're absolutely right here. And, and, and here's the comparison I'll make. We talk about how Aaron Rodgers must feel now that instead of giving him a weapon when his window was open, they went and drafted the heir apparent. Think about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, in the last year of his deal there with Houston, right, on the rookie deal, when we've said many times before, is go time, right, when you can do this before the chickens come home to roost and you have to pay Deshaun Watson, because guess what? You're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson, right? Not only the Packers, what they did was, like, didn't draft the wide receiver, didn't give him an extra weapon. What the Texans did was take one of the best weapons in the NFL and say, you know what? Deshaun, I know this is the time where we need to commit to you and prove to you and give you everything we need. We're going to take your best weapon, one of the best weapons in the NFL, and ship it out of town. I, I think all roads lead back to Deshaun Watson here for this team. He is a franchise quarterback, and they took one of his weapons away. I agree with you. This is a horrible offseason, in my opinion. And the other part of it is... There's no drama around Bill O'Brien because of what he said is the reasons about this DeAndre Hopkins thing. You know, baby mamas and not being on the same page. That doesn't sound like a good environment that if I was one of the remaining free agents out there that I would want to go to Houston. Man, Bill O'Brien stinks. All right. <laughs> As a GM, the dude is terrible. His coaching, you know what, I think sometimes he actually is gets a, a little bit of a bad rap. I think he's done decent in okay. Houston. Now, he... But again, like part of his GM stuff is the fact that they signed Brock Osweiler. Like yeah. he's not the been a good GM. Noose around the franchise. Like yeah. you were, like you were talking about, like oh, what was the moment of their draft? Oh, it was Bill O'Brien being caught on on oh, the ESPN broadcast, <laughs> flipping right. out at the Lions because they couldn't right. get a deal done, and then having to draft the player that the Lions wanted, and he's just now a Texan. Like he's not a good GM. And moving on from DeAndre Hopkins in this manner, like, right. Dane, they were up 24 nothing. Yeah. 24 nothing on the Super Bowl champions. Now, yeah. yes, in some ways it was fluky because Kenny Stills is the most open a wide receiver's yeah, ever and it was like a punt And there was a punt there, block, wasn't there? Yeah, I, I, just, right. I get it, okay? I get it. But that team was there. Okay, Deshaun Watson, when we have conversations of ranking quarterbacks, right. he's comfortably inside the top eight. And That's for some, right. would be significantly higher in that. And instead, the offseason that Bill O'Brien has put forward led to us having lines to bet on Deshaun Watson's next team. Right. Yeah, I think you're I think that's a great point. You know, all last year and, you know, you know, me being the vocal minority of it all, Kevin, I was saying at the beginning of the year that the Patriots are now done and the mantle is being passed to three African-American quarterbacks in the AFC. Their names are Patrick 
Lamar, and Deshaun, okay? And Deshaun will keep these Texans relevant as long as he is healthy and in that uniform. He just will. In the same way, I believe, Russell Wilson will do the same thing for the Seattle Seahawks in the same way Patrick Mahomes, you know, all these African-American quarterbacks do. But I digress. So tell me, given what may be, whatever you think about this locker room, whatever you think about the leadership, whatever you think about David Johnson as the kind of, um, you know, the, the terms of the deal that sent D-Hop away, Houston Texans' win total is seven and a half. Okay, this is a team that did, you know, Kev, they won the division last year, okay? They won the division. They have Deshaun Watson, right? They have J.J. Watt. You know, they have brand-name talent, okay? Mm -hmm. A playoff team. If you look at their, if you look at the graphics here, their win total is seven and a half with a little juice to the under. Their playoff, yes, no. The favorite is no, Kevin, at minus 175 to minus 180, all right? And they are three-to-one choice to win their own division. Third choice in that division behind teams we've already discussed in the Titans and the Colts. What are your initial liens on ways to make money in the futures market on the Houston Texans? So I have it right here in front of me. Bill O'Brien took over in 2014. Nine and seven his first three years. Then it was the year of Watson. Right. If you remember, they played uh, the Seahawks and the Patriots. Watson looked like he might have been MVP in his rookie right. year. It's crazy. Got injured, four and twelve. Since then, two full seasons of Deshaun Watson, eleven and five, ten and six. They've won the division both times. In fact, he's won the division four times since twenty fourteen. This is where I talk about Bill O'Brien sometimes being hard done by in terms of the coaching stigma around him because okay. they have had success in the AFC South. And I've actually said to you... Even that sacrificial lamb in wild card round all the damn time. No, 100%. 100%. And I've said to you countless times that I expect myself to be lower on the Texans. But the, there's something to be said about Deshaun Watson. Like, yeah. And this offense yeah, as a whole. I mean, you know, what to make of this wide receiver core of Cooks, Fuller, and Stills? Right. I mean, it looks like me when I played Madden, like, 04 on the computer, and I just ran PA streaks the whole time, and I had McNabb throw to Dante Stallworth, and it was <laughs> never, it always worked. Like, right. hey, Verts, 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 one right. of you are going to win. Like, and then if you just hope David Johnson can, you know, remain the talent that he once was. Right. If there's enough juice on the offensive line, uh, you know, how many times are we going to talk about uh, a bad offensive line? Like, Okay, but it's been that way forever. The defense, to me, is the tipping point of all of this. My instant reaction when you give me that win total, though, is to ask you what Watson's odds are. That's right. Good thing I'm ahead of you, and I brought (laughs) it up on the screen because we've been doing that, right? What are the corollary bets if it turns up roses? You know, for that team, we talked, for example, yesterday about Frank Reich as coach of the year, if they're successful, Uh, Jonathan Taylor as rookie of the year, if they're successful. We talk about things like Derrick Henry for MVP uh, or Carson Wentz for MVP, if this team is successful. I've been making the point about these dynamic young African-American quarterbacks, and I think I told you once already, five of the top seven choices for MVP are African-American quarterbacks. You know the names, Patrick, Lamar, Russell, Dak, and Deshaun. And Deshaun is 17-1 to to win the MVP. He is tied with your boy Carson Wentz as the sixth choice, right behind Drew Brees at 16-1, to but with shorter odds than TB12, who's 18-1. to What do you think about Deshaun Watson at 17-1 to for MVP? I'll tell you what, though. If this Texans team wins this division, right, and is a playoff team, gets a home playoff game without DeAndre Hopkins and with J.J. Watt, you know, missing five games like he will, (laughs) Um, then Deshaun Watson is definitely an MVP candidate, Kevin. Yeah, I I look at the... Where they go 10 and 6, you know what I mean? Without D-Hop, Watson's an MVP candidate. Look at the names that that you laid out there. Yeah, it goes Mahomes, Lamar, Russell Wilson, then Dak Prescott, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz at the same level as Deshaun Watson. He is the one whose team has the lowest win total. Yes. That's a big deal, actually, right? Yes. Like, Mahomes is – if the Chiefs don't have the best record in the league, if the Ravens don't have the best record in the league, Uh, they're going to be hard done by. 
a 10 and six season where Watson is just like top five touchdowns. Watson top five lead yards. them to it undisputedly. Now he would, and the thing is, he'll actually benefit potentially from just having to win close ones, not blowing people out. Like right. that's the intrigue there with that Watson bet. Where if you wanted to bet Superman, Kevin, exactly, Superman. Like if you wanted to bet them, yes, to make the playoffs. Hmm. I think that if they make the playoffs, he's got a great, great chance at winning this MVP because also, and I learned this lesson with the Heisman and I, I don't know if it applies the exact same way with the MVP in the NFL, but I feel like it does where it's very difficult for the favorites to win these awards because it's difficult for them to hit their actual expectations. Like I know that people, people thought that Trevor Lawrence was going to throw 85. He basically, they they thought that Trevor Lawrence was going to do exactly what Joe Burrow did. Right. And forget what Joe Burrow did. Trevor Lawrence didn't get invited to, if I'm not mistaken, he got invited to the Heisman final because Trevor Lawrence never flirted with doing what was actually this anticipated idea. idea Expectations is a very good point. So that's where, to me, like, Mahomes, is he going to throw 50 touchdowns again? He might. And if he does, he's going to win. Right. But... No, that's interesting. There is a, a, a delta, right, in the kind of perception of the Texans, seven and a half win total, and the potential of where Deshaun Watson could take them, uh, specifically potentially to the playoffs, where it's plus 145 right now to get there. The over-under is seven and a half. You know what we do next here on the early line. When we come back, we go game by game with Kevin and see if there's any daylight to invest in the Houston Texans. Come on back. That's what we're going to do here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line. What we are doing right now with our man Kevin Walsh as we go game by game. We are digging deep into find value in the Houston Texans. Remember, they uh, got plus money to make the playoffs. The books expect regression from this team that won the AFC South last year. Could it be because D-Hop isn't there and all that production? We're going to go into game by game. We're also going to think about these fantasy diamonds and fugazis because, Kev, there's a lot of targets up for grabs in Houston. I know that for sure. But let's go into their schedule, okay? You know how we do it. I'm not going to tell you how you're doing. Um, but are you, by the way, I'm sorry, I don't think I formally got it. Are you leaning over or under the seven and a half for the Houston Texans? I am, before we do this, Yep. weirdly leaning over. Fair enough. Despite if you told me the number was eight and a half, yep. would have told you under. So you think they're going eight and eight? No, that's the problem. It's that the seven and a half just scares me for a team that has been double has won. Deshaun right. Watson's won double digits in both years as a starter. He's won right. the division both times as a starter. Okay. And seven and a half feels so low that I'm like I'm, I'm I feel yeah. gun shy now. You know what? What it's interesting is it seems like the moral of the story with this year's Houston Texan is we don't really like them. Right. But damn, Deshaun Watson is a beast, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's no, like, exactly. If, if he's starting, you know, if he's not concussed, the Houston Texans are live in any game. Why? Because have you seen what that man can do? Right? Like, that's the answer. Like, that's literally, remember, even in the playoff game against Buffalo. You know, he made some ridiculous ridiculous. plays when on the other side of the ball, you know, Josh Allen is trying to lateral in overtime or throw 40 yards downfield across his body. Meanwhile, Deshaun Watson is making, you know, MVP plays. And that's why I understand the trepidation on the Houston Texans. But let's go after it, okay? Week one. Kevin, they're the sacrificial lamb. In Kansas City to open the season, right? Remember that. And by the way, I always let you know, Houston, they've got two primetime games. They are both on the road in bad spots. One of them is the season opener in Kansas City as Reed and Mahomes hang a banner. I think they go down there. Oh, absolutely. They they won that game last year as well against them, didn't they? 
They did. In, regular, in the regular season. Yeah. So there were back-to-back weeks, okay, where the Chiefs lost games with the same exact blueprint. I remember it. One was to the Indianapolis Colts yeah. when Marlon Mack ran for 120-some-odd yards and scored a touchdown on them, okay? The other game, then what the Houston Texans do? They ran Carlos Hyde, who got 100 yards and a touchdown against them, providing the blueprint, if as it were. All right, so they lose to Kansas City, right? All right. But now, with a mini-buy, with the mini-buy, right? Home opener on the mini-buy. Yeah, Lamar comes to town. It's the Ravens in week two. Misery. I mean, the Ravens last year embarrassed them. Embarrassed yeah. them. This now, though, home opener off a mini buy. Does that change it for you at all? Do you it, think they can beat Baltimore? It gives them an awesome shot. All right. But I still can't give them that win. All right. So they're 0 and 2. Then they go to Pittsburgh for week three. What a miserable schedule. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it don't get much easier. Keep going. <laughs> I no. I I. I you no. have them 0 and 3. Yeah. Oh, I know they're going to finish with four wins. Here's the thing. Now, remember, think about what the buzz will be about the Texans if they are 0-3 without D-Hop, with Bill O'Brien trying to plant the flag, with Deshaun Watson in the last year of the deal. You know, right. think about what this team is going to also like if they're out the gate 0-3. If they're, if they're even 2-1 and one out the gate, yeah. Watson is moved up to, like, favorite in the MVP again, unless, like, Mahomes is throwing five touchdowns a game. Good point. All right, so week four, they get back home, it looks like, and they have the Vikings come to town. Oh, good. Only easy games. I'll give them a win. <laughs> All right, that's their first win of the season. All right, they get a little respite here, okay? They stay at home for Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, okay, they can win that one. Remember, tomorrow we're doing Jacksonville, yeah. and we may have to put up the odds for 0-16, but we'll see. Then they make a road trip in division to Tennessee. Wow. Lose. All right, you've got them 2-4 after week six. Then they, um, they're home. Uh, they come back home, and Green Bay comes to town. Oh, boy. Um, off the Jags, I'll give it to Green Bay. All right, so you have them two and five after seven weeks heading into their bye, okay? They okay. They get the bye week eight. Then on the road after the bye in Jacksonville. Oh, that's good. I mean, off the bye, they should be able to beat the Jags twice then. All right, so you have a win there. You have them getting to three and five. They stay on the road, back-to-back road games. They go to Cleveland. Tough spot. I'll, I'll yep. lean Browns. Okay, so that's a loss for them. You have them. You have these Texans three and six. <laughs> Um, then they go back home, and waiting for them is Bill Belichick in New England and Jared Stidham. Uh, give me, give me the Texans. I do not think the Patriots are good. Them four That's and six that. after ten games. Here's the final haul. They go to Detroit. Oh, I think I gave this to the Lions. So let me so try and remember. This is their prime, their other spot. This is Thanksgiving. So this is a short week. Okay, this is a short week. On Thanksgiving in Traveling Detroit. noon. Yeah. 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 All those I'm things. the Lions. All right. So you have that as a loss. Then they come back home. And remember, we talked about this quirk of the schedule. They now see the Colts two times in the next three weeks. Okay. It's home for the Colts. Then at Chicago to see your boy Nick Foles. Then at Indy for the Colts. How did they get through that three-game stretch? Okay, so the so mini buy home for the Colts. Mini I'll buy. Give, home I'll the give Colts. them a win. Okay, at Chicago, at Indy, and then I'll have them drop both of those games. We have them going one and two in that stint, right? So yeah. you have them at five and nine, okay, right. with two games to play and seven and a half as the total. Those two games are home games, though. Okay. One against the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 16. I'm assuming you're going to give them that one. Yeah. And then they finish the season at home. They, by your count, are 6-9. and nine, And the Titans come to town. Tough spot, man. Um, I'll give them this last week win over the Titans. Really? With the Titans, who you think are playing yeah. for something. Six and nine, pissed off Deshaun Watson, who may be in a swan song in Houston. But you yeah. like the- I don't love okay. it, but I so gave it to them. Going seven to nine. You have them going 7-9, so I ask you again, 
Their win total, seven and a half. Their playoff, yes, no. A seven and nine team does not have their quarterback as the MVP. Okay, no. so what are we doing here to bet on the Houston Texans now that you've done the exercise of going game by game? Yeah, no, I, I still feel good about the Watson bet because so if they if, if he battles Mahomes week one, even in a loss, that'll be fine, right? Okay. They then have a mini buy for the Ravens. And as much as I'm not giving them that, right, they are home. They yeah. got a mini buy. It's the best chance that they will get to win that game. Then they're going to travel to Pittsburgh. And again, tough spot. Pittsburgh last year, one of the best defenses in football. Big Ben back. But if he's able to go out there and beat that Steelers defense, I'm, yeah. I really believe that he can be the favorite to win by week three, the MVP. You keep going through the schedule, and you know they're hosting the Vikings, they're hosting the Packers, and I've always had this back and forth. Do you want your toughest games at home or on the road? Because on the road, you've got no chance. But now, if I'm losing home games, I'm four and twelve. And it's right. a, you know what I mean? When I look at the opposite division, I look at that, and I would rather have the good teams of that opposite division come yeah. to my place. Of course. It depends how good of a football team you are is yeah. basically what it comes down to, right? Because if you're the Texans, like, I'd rather play the Lions at home because I feel like that's a win than the Packers because I might lose now both of those games. But it all depends. Like, in this, yeah. it, it, you know, like, I play this out. I have them one and three versus the NFC North. I don't love the NFC North, though. Right. So – that could turn around. I, I think I, I pretty much can't come out of this with a confident bet on this team's win total because seven and nine is right there with this seven and a half. Well, is your bet no for playoffs then? What about no playoffs then? It's, you know, me, for them, no playoffs is minus, it's between right now minus 175, minus 180. Yeah, I think I was starting to get in this direction, but once you said it, Dane, it almost locked it in. And now it's almost going to be impossible to not think about Russell Wilson when I think about Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Because, I mean, I have predicted the Seahawks out yeah. for a couple of years in a row and watched them win 11 football games. Like, right. no, I don't think Watson's Russell Wilson. I think that's an apt comparison, though. But there's, Because, you know, Seattle never gave him an offensive line, right? Houston hasn't given Deshaun an offensive line. Seattle is now only starting to focus on, you know, you know the uh, DK Metcalfs and the Tyler Lockins of the world. Yeah, I think, you know, in the same way that Houston was like, eh, Russell will take care of it. We'll be fine. You know, yeah. Houston is like, eh, Deshaun's got this. <laughs> <laughs> right, which is a dangerous proposition. Yeah, it is. You know, right, it is. I, I think if you're Deshaun Watson, though, if you're able to go out there and you're ha able to have, you know, a big-time season, I could see it, man. I, I really couldn't. I think, too, like, when we think about these this wide receiving core, to me, even the, David Johnson's best asset is as a pass catcher. Mm -hmm. I, I think, too, prop bet-wise, and these aren't, it's not a prop bet that's, I don't think, listed, but to lead the league in passing touchdowns, I'm sure Mahomes is the odds-on favorite, as he should I, be. Yeah. But I'd take a look at Watson because that's of what that group is, Stills, Cooks, and Fuller. It's just a lot of guys getting down deep. When they catch passes, they catch big. And, it, you know, it's a lot of touchdowns, I would think, from that group. So, to me... I think the bet, the bet that, and a bet that I'm like, this isn't like, oh, this is what I would. I think I, w I will make the bet of Watson for MVP because okay. it feels like the sh the safest, most logical play that I can pull out of this Texans exercise. Now that's interesting. I personally might in, uh, consider that no bet on the playoffs because you know there's other teams that I do think are more on the. That upswing. is the finest price against Watson. Fair. That's what it's like. It's that's hurting fair. me a bit. I hear you. You know, I just think that this team has got the got the arrow pointing in the wrong direction. We talked about the DeAndre Hopkins trade a lot. They also traded for a wide receiver, okay, this year. And uh, it's Brandon Cooks of the Los Angeles Rams. You mentioned playing Matt Madden and just being straight vert routes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the problem I have with that deal, okay? I tell you about the XYZ affair and the role all the time. Brandon Cooks is a good receiver, who is an over-the-top, deep-threat skill set that stretches the defense and has had injury availability issues. Will Fuller is a good wide receiver whose role is to stretch the offense over the top, plays that role well, 
but has had injury and availability issues. The problem I had with Brandon Cooks going to this team was not the player, but was the fit. Because now Cooks and Fuller are doing similar things. They're the similar style of wide receiver. So you're right. It's like a Madden game. Unless it's vert nines all the way, I don't understand this. Kenny Stills is also a deep threat kind of wide receiver. So I wonder what this is going to look like. I wonder what it's going to look like for fantasy. That's what Kevin and I are going to talk about when we come back on the other side of the break. It's the early line giving you the edge. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. We've been looking at the Houston Texans, a team that, you know, it's tough to really take a firm position on because it sounds like to me, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, if we were to do so, it would be a fade. But the part that, you know, makes that really, really tough is the idea that they are led by Deshaun Watson, a Superman legit MVP candidate, right? So if you tell me Deshaun Watson plays 16 games, it's going to be very hard for me to think that he's not responsible for a couple of wins, right? But the problem is, Kevin, is that I don't know. I fear for the man's safety. I really do. I've been saying this for the last few week, uh, years. Do you remember, Kevin? I think at this point it was two years ago. Where there was one game where Deshaun Watson was not able to ride the team plane to get to their road game because of his, like, cracked ribs or whatever it was, and they were worried about him traveling with yeah. the team and the air pressure? That's what we're talking about here, Kevin. Like, they literally run this dude out here and then don't protect him. I'm worried for Deshaun Watson's health, but... He's a bad man, Kevin. So now let's look at the Diamonds and the Fugazis. And I'm going to give you one here to start. And I say all of this about Deshaun Watson. Right, Kevin? Oh, boy. My Fugazi for the Houston Texans, in a fantasy sense, is Deshaun Watson. Um, and, and here's why. Okay, when we talk about, again, my policy on quarterback is to wait on quarterback, right? So when we're talking about any of the top five or six quarterbacks. And Deshaun Watson right now is going as QB five or six in fantasy drafts, okay? You know about Lamar Jackson, Patty Mahomes, the other three names. Oh, by the way, oh, yeah, it's those African-American quarterbacks. It's Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott, who are the only other people I've seen in rankings above. Oh, yeah, another one, Deshaun Watson. But I digress here, okay? My strategy is going to be to wait. So I don't think the value is there with Watson at that level. So relatively speaking, he's a fugazi. Also, think about these other quarterbacks I'm telling you, right? Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyla Murray, Dak Prescott. None of them lost their number one option, okay? <laughs> Lamar Jackson has the same crew coming back along with J.K. Dobbins and Duvernay. Their offense got better. Patrick Mahomes... Didn't lose, didn't gain. Yeah, awesome. Dak Prescott, you know, got a first-round draft pick, right? Kyler Murray, oh, yeah, he got Deshaun Watson's boy. You know, I mean, so uh, even a guy like Russell Wilson, I can make the case, has an emerging DK Metcalf. Didn't get worse. The weapons for Watson got worse. So if Watson is going to be at that level statistically for fantasy purposes, he's one I'm more willing to... Let someone else draft. So for those reasons, mm. relatively speaking, Deshaun Watson, for fantasy, relatively speaking, is a fugazi, someone I'm going to forget about for my teams. So where exactly is it? What, like, round pick is it that Watson is, is coming yeah, off for? I don't have that right now. Okay, because okay. I have them in the ranks, but I hear you. And generally... It depends, and this a lot of times depends on if you're a home league or an expert league because the theory of waiting on quarterback is now approved and accepted in the industry. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still getting drafted in the first round of home leagues. Sure. Lamar Jackson's still getting drafted in the first round of home leagues. But I would say, you know, call it round five, round six. I, I think it's a spot where I can consider Watson. The question I have for you is... Yeah. Because it was actually something I was talking about uh, with some people over the weekend. Is do you think there comes a point where 
two QB leagues or even super flexes actually become more prominent yeah, because of point. how the quarterback position is viewed these days. That's a fair point. Um, I think that is a fair point, and that's why I remember, what do I always say, Kevin? Know your settings. Okay, so in a two-quarterback league, the idea of waiting on quarterback is less so. So then the idea of needing to take, because you got to get two, right? So then I'm a little bit more comfortable spending the draft capital it would take to get a Kyler Murray, to get Russell Wilson. So, you know, with the idea of two quarterbacks, it it, it, um, lessens the concept of waiting on quarterback a little bit. I played in a two QB league for the first time last year. Yeah. Um, You know, someone invited me, like two quarterbacks. I'm like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Uh, I actually co-own the team with my brother because, I, you know, he's someone I very, you know, I trust when it comes to fantasy very, very much so. Um, and what happened is the league the prior year, I think ran as like a six-man league. And I think maybe eight-man, but that's why I think maybe they did the two-quarterback situation. But so even they, then, you're still getting a quarterback 16 who's like completely right. viable, you know? So, quarterback 16 right now is Baker Mayfield. Right. I'll so, wait and be the absolute last person to draft my second quarterback and I'll have Baker Mayfield as my QB2. Fine. So, so now when we joined, it opened up to a 12-man league. So now, it's, 20, so now it's 24 quarterbacks. So the interesting thing is the rankings that yeah. I think we used Yahoo, they don't change based on your settings. So we were able – I think we what had the first – It does the urgency of you needing to grab that position because of the supply and demand. But I think for some – for whatever reason was the rest of the league didn't know. So right. we, we got Mahomes with the – with I guess what would be two eleven, we got Mahomes, and then also because we were so confident in Lamar, we had Mahomes and Lamar. That's awesome. And it, you know it worked out. We were able to win the league. Uh, yeah. Bless you, Mike Boone, for doing absolutely nothing <laughs> that last week of the season. Um, you but- know, I'll just give you the flip side. Okay, I'm in an expert league, uh, the Flex League of Experts, run by uh, former colleague Jake Seeley, and it's a two quarterback league. I waited. I was the last person in the league to draft my first quarterback, and I had to start two quarterbacks. I wound up with Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers, and I made the semifinals. You know, so, I mean, it's possible to do it either way. And then, you know, I'm benefiting from my, you know, third-round pick where the other people are getting Mahomes or Lamar. So, you know, there's there's ways to skin it either way. Who's your Fugazi, though, for the Texans? It's it's difficult. So what I need is I yep. need the ADP of the whole wide receiver group because okay. it is very likely that my sure. Diamond and Fugazi will come out <laughs> of this trio. Relatively speaking, okay, so fair enough. By the way, for context, DeAndre Hopkins is wide receiver five, <laughs> right? Uh, me looking at the Houston, I'm still scrolling, brother man. Oh, will boy. Fuller is first. Wide right. receiver 35, so that's a wide out three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Cooks right behind him at 38, right? So in essence, wide out three as well. And then, you know, you don't get, you got to scroll a long way. And I imagine it'll be Kenny Stills, but, you know, that's flex territory or bench territory. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the the market viewing Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller as back-end wide receiver threes. Yeah, so I guess then from that group, my my diamond remains fuller and my Fugazi will be Cooks. I personally put yeah. stock in chemistry and comfortability. I like that. I like that. Knowing one another. Yeah. And honestly, Will Fuller is as good as Hopkins when Fuller's actually healthy production-wise. Like, it's super weird. With the benefit of DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of the field. A, a zillion percent. <laughs> But basically, the Texans, when they got Fuller, like he ran a faster 40 than Deshaun Jackson. They've got Watson. He just goes. I mean, I remember his rookie year when, like, it was Watson's rookie year. I think Fuller scored a touchdown every game. Right. Fuller is going to produce. He is a weak turner. Healthy, but yes. Yes, if healthy. He is a complete game changer to me. I think you could justify him in that wide receiver two range. It's difficult to find your balance, Dane, of availability and obviously being injured. Yeah. But I will say this. I have no doubt about it. If Will Fuller, the weeks that Will Fuller is a full go, he will always be a, a wide receiver two or better. 
No, I understand that, and I'll make a point here. Remember how I always say check your settings? For fantasy players, if you're looking for something new, there's a format out there called Best Ball. Okay, oh, yes. what it means is you just draft your team, and you ain't got to worry about, do I sit this guy, do I start this guy? And guys like your boy in Philly, Deshaun Jackson, guys like Will Fuller are perfect best ball players because, and you know this well with like a guy like Deshaun, there's going to be weeks where guys like Deshaun or Will Fuller go three catches for 32 yards. There's also going to be weeks where Will Fuller has six catches for 163 yards and two touchdowns because he caught literally two 55-yard bombs, okay? And the problem is those are the weeks he's going to be on your bench. In a best ball format, though, that don't matter. What they do is just take what would be your optimum lineup. And in those kinds of formats, Will Fuller is a great best ball player. Brandon Cooks kind of would be as well. So I did want to make that point. We only got a couple of minutes left, so it sounds like you're fishing in that wide receiver pond for value. I got to tell you, my diamond in the rough, and it's so weird, right? We've been loving Deshaun Watson, yet he was my fugazi. We were given shade to David Johnson as the hall back, but he is my diamond in the rough for the Houston Texans. He's going right now as RB20, which is a mid-to-back-end RB2. And out of all these people that are in that level, he has the potential to be a top five back. Our former colleague, Mike Florio, put something on Twitter yesterday. You'll see it here now. The number one scoring running back in fantasy football has not been a repeat person 10 years in a row. Okay, it's been a new. So like, for example, CMC was the number one scorer. He ain't gonna be this year. In that list is David Johnson in 2016. Wow. So if you think if he's there at RB20, I think he could severely um, exceed his value. So for me, David Johnson is a diamond in the rough. You see this list, man. You know, and every year you would have been like, oh, it's going to be this guy again. It was CMC. Then it was Saquon. Then it was Gurley. It was David Johnson. It was Devontae Freeman one year. Le'Veon Bell one year. Then all the way back to guys like Jamal Charles, Ray Rice, and Arian Foster. So there you have it on our Houston Texans. Kev, we only got two minutes left. I got to show you something. You know how there's no fans in soccer matches right now? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, well, check this out. Um, in, uh, I believe it is South Korea, okay? Mm -hmm. South Korea soccer team. Guess what they are putting in the stands to look like fans? What do we got? Sex dolls, Kevin. Oh, Sex geez. dolls, okay? And you see the pictures here. All right, these are, uh, I, I don't know how else to say it. Sex dolls in the yeah. stands as mannequins in uh, South Korea in soccer. And then here's the catch. They also apparently, on like whatever they're wearing or the signs they're holding, are advertisements for porno sites, Kevin. So wow. let me ask you, uh, what do you think, you know, I know, Fans are getting, uh, teams, leagues, countries are getting creative with having, you know, fans in the stands and how do we create that environment? What do you think about the South Korean approach of putting sex dolls in the stands as fans, Kev? I think the sex dolls thing, unlikely, but they're probably onto something with the advertisements. They are always find, trying to find creative ways. And also, I don't know about the, what they're advertising, but they're always trying to find ways to be you know be able to get you know a new advertising it's again it's another way to create revenue we're always talking about revenue dane yeah a couple you know absolutely i'm reminded of the belarusian soccer club that lets you pay for a ticket and then slap up your photoshop picture on a mannequin but taking it to the sex dolls is a completely different level well Think about that for the rest of the day. Tomorrow, Kevin, we're going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars as we roster reset the AFC South. Until then, have a good one. From Kevin, I'm Dane. This has been the Early Line right here on Sports Grid. See you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.